of 2 Timothy chapter 2. Uh, if you want to flip over there or fire up your iPhone, whatever it is you use uh, to dive into God's Word, do that now. And so, um, if you know much about New Testament, specifically the books of First and Second Timothy, these are letters from the Apostle Paul, and he's writing to a young pastor, a young guy that's uh, preaching the Word, uh, and his name is, anybody guess? Timothy. Very good. Uh, and Paul is, um, he's kind of a mentor for young Timothy. Uh, he's trying to help him uh, stay on the right path. And so what's interesting about 2 Timothy is this is believed to be Paul's final letter um, that he authored. And as you read through the book, um, it has a bit of a somber tone to it because that's just the case. Paul has been tried, he's been convicted, um, and he is moments, hours uh, away from death. He's literally just hanging out in a jail cell, waiting on the guards to come, take him away to be executed for sharing the good news. And so I think um, there's a bit of a somber tone in this, uh, in this book, but there's also uh, a small sense of urgency as he's trying to help his young uh, up-and-comer, this young apprentice of his, uh, carry on the good news and to encourage him. And I think kind of the, the overarching tone that we get um, from 2 Timothy, and especially this passage we're going to read this morning, is to stay focused. I think that's Paul's message to Timothy, is to stay focused. And so as I'm reading this, I ask, well, why? Why does Timothy need to stay focused? And as I think about that, I got to thinking about distractions. Imagine that, the ADD guy thinking about distractions. And one thing I know about a distraction is it begs for attention now and never later. You've never had a distraction show up and go, I'll be back tomorrow, or uh, give me five minutes, okay? That, that never happens. Distractions are always right now, okay? Um, just as an example of, you know, maybe you've been distracted, how many of you have a project at home right now that is unfinished? My hand is up. Uh, and it could be because you ran out of materials, you ran out of time, could be because you don't even care. Uh, but the truth is, distractions happen all the time. How many of you have ever tried to feed a young child? My hand is up as well. Yesterday, trying to get Cooper to eat a hot dog. He loves hot dogs. Hot dogs and ketchup. Man, you're golden. And, all right, bud, just three more bites. Oh, Daddy, I love you. I love you too, bud. Eat your hot dog. Oh, Mama, you're so, you're a princess. Okay, son, you don't have to eat the rest of your hot dog. No, he has to eat the hot dog. And so, or I remember in, uh, in college I had a professor, uh, one of these type of guys that has forgotten more about God's Word than I will ever know. Um, he was incredibly intelligent, um, really savvy in the New Testament, um, great teacher, horrible to listen to because he was monotoned. He just kept the same tone the whole time he was talking. And usually once a week, sometimes every other week, at the very end, as he was about to dismiss class, he would yell all of a sudden, and everybody would kind of panic and pee themselves a little bit. Oh, guess it's time to go. I'll go change underwear while I'm out. And that's just kind of how we buzz. The, the point is, is that distractions are all around us. And I think what Paul is trying to tell Timothy here is to get focused. Okay, if, if, Timothy, if you will get focused and get your mind in the right place, that 
is where work gets done. Okay, that's where movement happens, is when we get our attention and our energy focused um, on a specific thing. Zig Ziglar said this awesome as I was preparing this. I, I found this quote, and it says, I don't care how much power, brilliance, or energy you have. He's clearly talking to me. He forgot beauty in there, too, but I'll add that in. I don't care how much power, brilliance, or energy you have. If you don't harness it and focus it on a specific target and hold it there, you're never going to accomplish as much as your ability warrants. And I think that's very appropriate for what Paul is trying to communicate to Timothy, man. And and thinking about this quote, and as we're about to dive into this passage, I, I feel like I see this way too often um, in our student ministry. You know, I see students, um, I'm like, man, I can't wait till that specific student. I mean, I always love when all the students move up into the teen group, but there's just some that it's like, man, they're going to do big things. Like, God is moving in their life at a very young age. I can't wait to be a part of that for the next six years to see how God moves in their middle school through high school lives. Um, and you see it, they come in, they, they get after it, they get real connected in our group, uh, start serving, uh, and then the older they get, they just kind of fall into the back and they just kind of disappear almost. Um, and I'm always trying, like, what, what was it? Well, they got distracted. Other things became more important um, than fulfilling, you know, God's call on their life. And I think that's true in our congregation. I think that's true in every congregation across uh, the world today. But I think Paul recognizes that, and he's trying to tell Timothy, hey, big guy, stay focused. You're a young guy. There's going to be opportunities, but just stay focused, okay? So let's dive into this, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. They'll be on the screen this morning. It says this, Timothy, my dear son, be strong through the grace that God gives you in Christ Jesus. You have heard me teach these things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. Verse 3. Endure suffering along with me as a good soldier for Christ Jesus. Soldiers don't get tied up in the affairs of civilian life, for they cannot please the officer who enlisted them. And athletes cannot win the prize unless they follow the rules. Verse 6, and hardworking farmers should be the first to enjoy the fruit of their labor. Think about what I am saying, and the Lord will help you understand all these things. Okay? I really enjoy this passage of Scripture, mainly because um, Paul kind of picks out three identities um, to help illustrate getting focused. And the first one is soldier, then he talks about an athlete, and then a farmer, okay? And as I was reading through this, I thought it was interesting that Paul chose these three specific identities, like why not a tax collector or a king or a servant? Uh, there was a lot of other options there. Why a doctor? I mean, we could go on and on, but why specifically these three? Well, part of it is I think that Hopefully Paul knew, like, hey, I hope this letter makes it to Timothy, but I hope Timothy is able to pass this on to, to fellow um, young ministers to help encourage them or, or lay leaders or whatever it may, it may be. And what's interesting about a soldier, an athlete, and a farmer is that these identities can be translated across every generation in every language. Okay? This is a worldwide thing. Every culture has soldiers and athletes. They compete in some type of game. And farmers, um, they have to have food to grow. And what's interesting is all three of these require you to be focused. Okay? Now let's go back uh, to verse 3 there and read that one more time. It says this, 
Endure suffering along with me as a good soldier for Christ Jesus. Soldiers don't get tied up in the affairs of civilian life, for they cannot please the officer who enlisted them. Now, being that this is the 4th of July weekend, and I hope you had great times with friends, family, uh, maybe you just hibernated, whatever it is you do to relax and, and enjoy yourself, I, I hope you were able to do that over the past couple of days. Um, but being it is, that it is 4th of July, uh, and the time where we get to celebrate um, our independence, our freedom that allows us to, to do what we do today, um, if you have served, are serving, or, or did serve in any of our armed forces, could we just honor you today? Would you please stand, um, just so we could say thank you for, for all that you've done? Never, never, never want our servicemen and women to go unnoticed. Thank you for, for what you've done, for what you are doing to, to allow us to, to be the country we are today. So thank you for that. Um, when it comes to the military or being a soldier, I have zero experience. I really have nothing to reference that off of other than movies and things like that. But personal experience, I, that's something I, I really can't relate to. Um, no one in my family served. There's, there's an identity we're going to talk about later that I really, really connect with. But when it comes to a soldier, um, I really don't have anything to kind of connect there. The closest thing that I have, uh, and please hear me say this morning, these two things are not the same. I'm not trying to compare these two as equals. I'm just saying for me, a reference, the closest thing I have to a, a soldier or going to battle is paintball, okay? That's, that's the closest thing I have, and, and I don't want to make light of that. I'm just trying to make a connection this morning, so please hear me say these are two totally different things. Just in, in Daniel's youth ministry, personal world, this is the closest thing that I have, you know? I, I, I know what it's like to try to hide behind a tree and not get hit with a paintball or just to or just to be hiding and hoping that someone doesn't run in behind you and shoot you in the back with a paintball or, or whatever it may be but one thing that I've learned in my um, I never thought I'd go to college and one of the things I would have to learn to be good at is to play paintball but it that is absolutely true uh, but a couple of things that I have learned uh, during my time of paintball and just a side note man there is there's great feelings in the world um, getting married, um, seeing a newborn child, um, the sunrise, things like that. It's just a great feeling. But kind of compared to that is when you get to take a student and a parent sends that student with you and pays their way to allow you to shoot them in the face with paintballs. <laughs> that is a great feeling. Um, especially when it's that one student that is a little disruptive in service or kind of, you know, causing commotion on Wednesday nights. And that's the person that, like, pokes their head out from around a, a barrier or something. And I, I just, oh, man, it's a great feeling, man. It's a great feeling. So thank you, parents, for allowing me uh, that opportunity to really, I would say, connect, witness. There's really no witnessing. It's just pure joy. So thank you for that. But what I've learned during my time of, of paintball theology is that it takes a little bit of patience. Uh, so many times, you know, uh, students, they'll, they'll get their little hopper full of paintballs, and as soon as they go out there, they're just going crazy, like they're shooting everything. It's like no nothing's happening yet. The game hadn't started, and you're already out of paintballs. So it takes a little bit of patience. It takes a little bit of precision. Uh, you kind of have to aim with those things. Um, and also, you need to be quick, okay? If you're running from one place to another, uh, you've got to be fast, because if you don't, it's going to end up hurting. You know, paintballs are kind of hard, and they leave little whelps. 
Um, and so you've got to be patient, precise, and quick, okay? If you're a note taker today, uh, our, our first point today, and there's only three, so you're welcome, is number one, soldiers understand suffering leads to later reward, okay? Soldiers understand that suffering leads to later reward, okay? Every soldier suffers, no matter if um, they never experienced any type of hard battle, anything like that, because the reason I know they suffer is I've watched the show Making Marines, and every soldier has to train, and they train in some of the worst, harsh conditions imaginable. You know, I remember in the show one time, I thought, man, I could do that, and then there was a part where they had... um, they were having to swim under these barriers, and it was really, really muddy water, and it was pretty chilly that day, probably in the 50s, and these guys are swimming, and I thought, nah, man, God called me to youth ministry. He didn't call me to that, so I, I'm going to fight my battles in the heat and in the air conditioning, you know, but um, every soldier suffers. Just the training that those ha- guys have to go through, those women have to go through, is, is pretty incredible, okay? Whether they suffer mentally, physically, emotionally, every soldier suffers. And here's the deal. The reason that commanders and stuff put their people through this type of training uh, is because training is important, okay? You need to be prepared before you step into the battle, um, You never go to battle and then come back and it's like, okay, guys, now we're going to train for what just happened. Okay, that's that's crazy. Why would you do that? You wouldn't do that. You prepare beforehand. And one thing I know about enemies and the opposing people is that regardless of how prepared you are, whether you graduated at the top of your class or at the bottom, is that the enemy is always going to come swinging. The enemy is always prepared and is always ready to take you down, no matter if you're having the best day or the worst day, okay? Soldiers have been trained, they've been prepared, and when they step on the battlefield, they are battle ready, okay? I think the reason Paul uses this identity is because this is the type of um, maybe attitude he's trying to communicate to Timothy. He's saying, hey, this is how you need to approach Uh, every day when it comes to spiritual warfare, that there's an enemy out there and they're going to try to knock you down um, every chance that you get because the fight is coming. And I think one of the biggest weapons that that the enemy could use would be to convince you, especially in the spiritual world when it comes to our faith, is that if the enemy can convince you that it's not a battle, then they've already won. Like, oh, hey, that's not that, you know, That may be a gray area sin, but we're not going to really worry about that. Like, that's okay, okay? And if the enemy can convince us of that, well, then they've already got a foothold, and who knows where they could go from there. And so I think Paul recognizes that, and he's trying to encourage uh, a young up-and-comer to say, hey, man, be battle-ready. And I think we could uh, take that to heart today for us. I think Paul is also communicating to us today that, hey, the, the battle is coming. Uh, maybe it's already here. You need to be prepared. You need to be spiritually fit uh, to step onto the battlefield to make a difference, to be the person that God has called you to be, whether that's um, a mechanic, a construction worker, firefighter, farmer, whatever it may be, a teacher, preacher, doesn't matter. You have to be ready um, because the fight is coming, okay? Let's keep moving this morning uh, with verse 5. It says this, And athletes cannot win the prize unless they follow the rules. 
How many of you, by a show of hands, have ever cheated? My hand is in the air. Guy trying to lead you spiritually today is a cheater. How many of you have ever cut corners before? Uh, could be you. Could be the person you have your arm around. Could be the person that has their arm around you. Point is, um, I think at some point in our lives we've all cheated except for one individual. That individual is my great Aunt Bobby, who has never cheated and never lied in her entire life. Um, growing up, we played a card game called Baloney. As you get older, I think the name of this game may change. But at this point in my life, as a third, fourth grader, it was called Baloney. And so as you would lay down your car and say, oh, that's three threes, when actually it was a three on top and just a whole bunch of other cards underneath, uh, if someone called you and said, mm, baloney, that's not right, then you would have to take all the cards that were out. Um, now, when it got to Aunt Bobby, if she was supposed to lay down a four, if she didn't have a four or have two fours or whatever it was, instead of trying to sneak one in, she would just say, um, pass. And we're like, Aunt Bobby, you can't pass. Well, then it's like, well, you can't argue with Aunt Bobby. Like, Aunt Bobby, she's like the greatest person ever. And so I'm pretty sure other than Aunt Bobby, I don't know very many people that have never cheated uh, or never lied. And so you may have an Aunt Bobby in your family, just in our family. It, it was Aunt Bobby for us. She never cheated, never lied. Um, growing up, um, I don't really know what you'd call this, a midlife crisis. I don't know. But there came a point where life was just not exciting enough for my dad, Jeff Hillian. He's sitting on this side over here. Um, and so we started racing four-wheelers. Actually, Dad did first. Me and my brother came in behind Dad. So Dad had a lot of fun. And then it was like, oh, hey, yeah, if y'all, I guess y'all can too. Come on. And so we raced four-wheelers. It was something we did as a family. It was awesome. Loved every minute of it. And so we had a friend invite us to do this six-hour endurance race. Please see the red flags now that we didn't see at that time. But you had one four-wheeler. Three guys would take turns racing this four-wheeler for six hours, as hard as you could go. Once again, why did we do I don't know why we did it, but we did it. And so um, there came a point in this track um, to where I knew it would pass itself. Um, one lap was like 12 miles. It was a very, very long, through the woods type of a race. Uh, and I knew, like, hey, if... If I need to kind of cut a little bit, I could go through this ditch and, which, well, yeah, that makes perfect sense, drive through the ditch, right? But I knew if I could go through there, I could cut like a couple of miles off the track and really make up some time. Now, would that show up when my lap time was four minutes faster than any other one? Like, hey, it looks like you cut some of the track there. Oh, no, I just got really fast all of a sudden. Well, I was 14, 15 years old, dumb as a box of rocks. And the guy that invited us to do this, he's coming up behind me to lap me. And I thought, oh, no. Well, of course, he passes me, and we come to that spot. And so I just hard left, go through the ditch. And it wasn't like five turns later, he caught me and passed me again in the same lap. And it was humiliating. I was so embarrassed, and I tried to talk my way out of it. But um, he went down to when it was time for another guy to, to ride his machine. He walked down to our trailer, and he tells Dad, he goes, hey, man, your boy is cheating. And Dad just started laughing. He said, well, which one? <laughs> and, and I'm just sitting there with my head on a bucket, just exhausted. I was like, man, I even cut the track, and I still got beat. Um, but I think we all know someone uh, that has cut corners or cheated, or, or maybe that's been you. So number two this morning, athletes know there are no shortcuts for winners. Okay, 
Athletes know there is no shortcuts for winners, okay? Any top athlete, okay? And in my notes here, I have reputable athlete, okay? Because there's a lot of top athletes that made it to where they are, uh, but they cut a lot of corners and cheated or took performance-enhancing drugs, whatever it was, to get there. But any top reputable athlete knows that they got to where they are because they didn't cut corners. They put in the time, they put in the work, they invested, they sacrificed, they did whatever it took to get them to the level that they're at. And because of that, they have become a great athlete. You know, any sport, whatever it may be, um, those guys are there probably because they had a little bit of talent, uh, but because they invested, they worked hard, they went the extra mile, and they didn't cut corners. Here's one thing I know about uh, the majority of people is, and I'm going to say we, because clearly, you know, I just told a story, um, we are always looking for shortcuts. We're always looking for a way out, and it's eventually going to cost them, okay? Currently, uh, Emily and I are homeless, so if you have a couple of extra rooms in your house and you would like to invite us over for a cool two, three months, just until we get our house built, that would be fantastic, okay? I'm a pretty decent cook. Um, Emily and I make a good team. I do a lot of the cooking. She does a lot of the cleaning. Um, I can mow yards. If your car needs worked on, we can do that too. Cooper can make a mess. And so if you have just a couple extra rooms, two months minimum, it won't be that big of a deal, we'd be happy to move in with you, okay? And as we, uh, because I know my parents are going to kick me out, that's what I'm saying. It's, it's, uh, the clock is running. And so as, as we've been preparing to, to build and get quotes on building, uh, you sit down and you're like, uh, okay, let's get going. Um, and they, you know, the guy or the lady's working on their computer and they'll pause for, you know, they're working, 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 and they'll pause and they'll go, um, would you like Windows? Yes, I would like windows. That would be fantastic. Oh, so they get back to work. And um, would you like air conditioning? Are you ridiculous? Yeah, moron. I want air conditioning. I want heat too. And it's like, well, oh, you wanted heat. And, oh, that's going to cost you there. And it's like, does that come with a roof? Oh, you wanted a roof on the house. Oh, that's an extra cost. And it's just like every, no one will give you anything these days. Everything wants money. And I'm beginning to learn that. And so knowing that this small little house, you know, just a cool 5,000 square feet, I mean, it's not that big. Like, good gravy. Why does it cost? Like, I don't want to buy the plumber's business. I just want him to come, like, make the stuff go down and other stuff come up. Like, that's it. And not mix them up. Like, that can't be that hard. Why do you need so much money? And so as we're preparing, I'm like, there's got to be some areas we can cut some corners here. Like, man... And so visiting with, uh, I've spoke with several of you in the congregation today, and even Steve, it's like, hey man, there are a few places you can cut corners, but there's some things you just can't. Like, whatever they say it's going to cost, like, that's how much it's going to cost. And some of you are shaking your heads like, yeah, you ding dong, like, it's, it's expensive to build things, okay? I'm, I'm learning, I'm still young, okay? But everyone knows a corner cutter, <clears throat> and... What is interesting, and even Dad has, has told me this as I was growing up, and Mom too, that if they were like, if you would just invest the time in doing it the right way and learning the right way, you'd be great at it. But you spent so much time trying to cut the corners and cheat that now it's going to take you double the amount of time to do it the right way, okay? People are always, always, always looking for a way out. And I think Paul recognizes this about the people that he's been able to minister to, the people that he's come in contact with during his ministry, because 
big surprise here if you didn't know this. The people that lived back in the Bible times had all the same desires, intuitions, things happen to them that we have here. We just get to put it on Facebook, and they didn't. That's really the only difference, okay? And so Paul recognizes this. He's trying to communicate this to Timothy, and he's trying to say, hey, man, stay the course, okay? You have invested, Timothy. You have worked, you have sacrificed, and you know what is right, okay? The enemy is always going to claim that there is an easier path. Hey, man, there's an easier way to do this. Hey, if you would just do this, the grass is always greener on the other side, right? I think Paul recognizes this, and he's just trying to help his young guys say, hey, man, stay on the course. And I think that's what he's trying to tell us today as well, is that even though it may look a little bit easier, you know, eventually it's going to catch up to you and you're going to have to pay for it. So maybe today you just need to hear, stay the course, all right? Let's keep going. Uh, Verse 6. It says, and hardworking farmers should be the first to enjoy the fruit of their labor. Okay, now this is the identity I really, really connect with. I like to think I was an athlete back in the day. Clearly by this physique, I know y'all were like, oh yeah, he was clearly an athlete. That is not true, people. I am, that was not me. But one thing I can relate to is farming. My grandparents farmed, um, and so my aunt and uncle had a dairy farm, so I, mom and dad never farmed. I mean, we tried to do cows one time, and they all died, or we saw, I don't remember. It was just, it was awful. Um, but... I grew up around farming. I love heavy equipment. I love tractors. I love, I just, guys, I am redneck to the core. I, Steve, I was talking about something one day, and I'm like, well, I'm really, and Steve just paused me, and he's like, Daniel, you are the biggest redneck I know. Like, yes, like, you are a redneck. And I was like, okay, maybe I am. But there's just something about, you know, in the morning, you know, you just put on your regular shoes and go on through about your day. But those mornings when you put on your work boots, oh, man. That's going to be an awesome day. Like when you put on your Carhartt work pants, oh, man, that's going to be a great day. Like what could happen today? Like am I going to bush hog something? Am I going to, oh, man, I just love that feeling. I'm telling you, I'm the biggest redneck ever, but I I really do enjoy farming. So if you have on top of the home that you would invite Emily and I to come live with you, hey, we could cook, you know, it's fine. Uh, If you have a cool farm, you know, maybe 500 acres, you know, give or take a little bit, um, and you want to donate that to us, yeah, I would be happy to come live with you and take care of your property, okay? No problem. It would be fantastic. Uh, sure, I can do whatever it is. I just point is, I just love farming, okay? Um, and the thing is, I've never done it. I just grew up around it. I've, I have never done it. I have a good friend. Uh, how me and this guy got to be friends is kind of a long story. We don't have time for it, but he lives in North Dakota, and he lives on a massive farm. And so usually every harvest season, um, I'll go up and hang out with him for a week or so. And like people are like, so you take vacation to go to work. I was like, dude, I put on my work boots every day. It's fantastic. I even fly in the airplane with my work boots on. Like, it's so awesome. I love it, okay? And I know y'all are like, man, you are the biggest weirdo ever. And, and that's fine, okay? You're not me and I'm not you. I'm just saying I really, really, really enjoy farming, okay? But... There's just something about having that satisfaction at the end of a day of really, really hard work. Um, For me, I I, I love that feeling. Um, Several years ago, um, the house we just sold, when we bought it, there was a big space for a kitchen table. Well, the kitchen table that Emily and I had, um, 
I didn't steal it. Let's just clarify, okay? The director of the dorm asked me to get rid of the table. And so I got rid of it in the back of my truck, okay? So I did what he told me to do. It's fine, all right? Um, and so that was our table for the first six years we were married. Uh, now, it had some people's names carved in the top of it. It had a rocket ship carved in it. We just kind of overlooked that. Um, you know, a few extra screws. It was nice and sturdy. Just don't, like, put anything heavy on it, okay? And so when we got our, our new house, this table just looked really weird. It was like, man, we need, a, we need something a little more sturdy, like our family's growing. Um, we like having people over to our home. And so I was like, I'm going to build us a table. Well, through a long, drawn-out process of me not having a clue what I was doing, but thanks to YouTube and other websites, uh, I finally finished our table. And it took me months because the first time I did it, it came out too tall, and so I cut the legs off, and then it just looked ridiculous. So I got more legs, and then the top bowed and twisted and warped because you're supposed to use a specific kind of wood. Let me tell you guys, this was, it was a process, and it dominated our garage for two months, and so Emily was a little perturbed about that. But I got it done. I got the table done, and we got it in the house. Had to use a forklift. Got it in there, though. And it was just so rewarding when people would come over and be like, hey, man, that's a cool table, and I was like... <laughs> wore my work boots to build that, and I made that, you know, and it was just really, really cool to see, um, you know, that your, your hard work went to something, and some of you may be that way as well when you finish a project, you're like, man, that, that, is, that is really awesome, and so number three this morning is that farmers understand faithful hard work, okay? Farmers understand faithful hard work, okay? Now, whether you have grown up a farmer, like your parents, grandparents farmed, whatever it may be, maybe you know nothing about farming. I, I think we can all agree that farming is pretty physically demanding, okay? It's a lot of hard work. Now, I know people would be like, well, they got cabs and air conditioners and all that garbage on their tractors now, but yeah, you still have to, like, maintenance and do all kinds of other things with it. So can we all just agree that farming is hard work, okay? Because farmers plant crops, they raise livestock, and there are no guarantees, okay? Uh, there's nothing that says, like, I guarantee you that that field's going to yield just a great amount, okay? Uh, there's no guarantee that every one of your cows is going to make it to market, okay? There, there really are no guarantees. Now, there's things now to help along the way, but at the end of the day, there's really not any guarantees, okay? Now, as we've seen here uh, just in the past month or so, is that crops can flood, uh, they can wither, uh, they can be infested with bugs. Dad was telling me uh, Friday we were um, going to buy a tractor seat, and he was talking about that my grandparents had rented this piece of property, and it had great soil, it was going to be great, and so they planted it, and the, the plant shot up, but they only got about six inches tall and stopped growing, and they were like, what is going on? Well, the whole field had been infested with a fungus, and they, they didn't know, and so uh, they weren't able to get any you know, crop off of that because it never produced anything, and so that was a lot of money lost, okay? Uh, at the end of the day, when it comes to farming, livestock die, they run off, they get stolen, and your profits are gone. Uh, I can remember plain as day on my aunt and uncle's dairy farm, they had one cow specifically. Um, I don't know why I remember this one. They're all black and white, but I just remember this one. Um, that was, uh, it was super easy to get in the barn. It always did a great job milking. It always produced a lot. And one day walked in the barn and fell over dead. And it was like, what? 
what? Like, how does that even happen? And that's just farming. It's healthy one day, and the next day it just dies, okay? Working hard is all part of, um, well, is a part of the equation when it comes to farming. Um, But farmers also have to have a little faith, okay? Uh, If you know anything about planting, you can't plant when it's wet or when it's muddy because your planter won't work right. And so you have to plant when it's dry, uh, and if you can't, you know, water your crops, you have to just pray that it's going to rain, um, because that's the only way your, your seed is going to grow, okay? You maintain crops all season long with fertilizers and herbicides, pesticides, whatever it is, um, to help that plant grow and produce, but at the end of the day... Um, you really do hope that it produces, okay? Uh, you, treat, you treat sick livestock. Uh, you try to do a lot of things on the front end to help them not get sick. And just like that one specific cow, it can just walk in the barn and just die. And it's like, now how are we going to get you out of here? You know, and it's just um, animals are, are, are really curious things, okay? Farmers are very, very, very faithful people, okay? And I think that's the, what Paul is trying to communicate Um, to young Timothy, and I think that's what he's trying to communicate to us today, because he's saying, you have got to stay focused, just like Zig Ziglar was talking about it. You've got to get your mind right, uh, no matter how strong, brilliant you are. If you're not focused on a specific target and hold it there, you're never going to to live up to, to what maybe God has called you to do, okay? And so we have to be focused. We can't get caught snoozing uh, because the battle is coming. Now, I know this is kind of a great series to follow up, Steve's like, hey, for the past couple of weeks you've been resting, uh, and then I roll in here and I'm like, hey, man, you've got to get to work right now. Um, but there's some, there has to be some balance here, and I just want to uh, remind us of that today, okay? All three of these identities, a soldier, an athlete, and a farmer, they require a few things. And I think as we close this morning, we need to take, uh, take note of those. They all require preparation, okay? Soldiers have to go through training, okay? Athletes have to spend time in the gym. They have to be conditioned. They have to, whatever sport it is, maybe they have to learn specific plays or specific signals or whatever it may be, okay? Farmers, they have to invest, okay? They've got to be prepared. They've got to be equipped, um, to one, put their crops in the ground, uh, but also be um, ready to harvest those. So they have to, there's an element of preparation to all three of these things, okay? The second thing is, is there's a fight, okay? Um, whether that's uh, on the battlefield, on the court, uh, or in the fields, there is always a fight, okay? And there's going to be some suffering, and it's going to require some hard work, okay? And then lastly this morning, is that there, there's going to be a time to celebrate. And when those times come, man, celebrate what has happened. Celebrate what God has done. Um, I think a lot of times we get real focused on the end result, like, man, I'm going to celebrate that, or I'm going to celebrate when it's completed. Uh, for me, uh, this was our, our children's facility, which if y'all haven't been back there since we've got that all done, I encourage you just as you leave today, just take a quick few steps back to in the back of the Family Life Center and see that new facility. It is fantastic. And I can just remember, you know, as I was putting this together, I was like, man, I just remember as a staff and probably for many as you as well, and I think our church board, we were so ready for it to be done. We wanted the end result um, that as I was putting this together, I paused and I was like, man, the journey to get there, I mean, it was a little stressful and it was, you know, a lot of hard work, 
but it really was enjoyable, like the, the different contractors that got to come in that, that we got to witness to and, and kind of invest in those guys, the different people from the framers to the, you know, all the different people that come through. Uh, my point is a lot of times we get focused on the end result. I think we need to remember that the journey is also very rewarding if we're focused on the right things. And so this morning as we close, I want to leave you with just this last little quote here. This is kind of the sermon in the sentence this morning. Is that the path of least resistance leads to the prize of least reward. Okay? The path of least resistance leads to the prize of least reward. And so as we prepare to go this morning, I just want to take a few moments uh, just to pause. Uh, it's been a busy weekend. I hope you've been able to get out and have a good time. But um, let's just take a few moments and just respond. Um, and also, I want to let you know about um, a few prayer requests. Some of you may have seen the, the church email that went out. I believe that was Saturday morning. Uh, Miss Linda Carter fell and broke her hip. Uh, she had surgery um, late yesterday morning, kind of around lunchtime, and she is recovering in the hospital, so we want to remember her. We also remember John Riggin. He's having surgery in the morning, so we want to lift you up today, John. Uh, also, uh, please pray for, for me and uh, not only our group of 20 from our church, the group of 100 from our district, but also the other 10,000 students and sponsors coming from all over the United States and Canada. Uh, we are fixing to um, just converge on Phoenix, Arizona, and so be, be praying for, for that event and that God would just move in the lives of students, man. It is the time, the energy, the preparation that has gone into this, God is not, not going to show up. And so he's got big things in store, and I just pray that our students can get a little piece of that. And so be praying for us. Uh, be praying for our pastor, Steve and Lynette, as they are out on vacation, that they would have a great time, come back full of energy, uh, ready to get uh, Hayden all married off. And there are many, many other needs around our congregation today. And so let's just take a few moments uh, to pause. If you'd like to come, feel free. Uh, we've got our prayer chest here uh, with many names in it as well. But if, uh, let's just pause and pray before we go this morning. Father God, thank you for this day, Lord. Thank you for just, uh, wow, the opportunity just to dive into your word, to share what, what I feel like you've placed on my heart today. I pray that it has connected with, with someone here today about what it means to be a, a soldier for you, to, to train like an athlete and to work hard like a farmer, Lord, that we would take that to heart today. We also want to remember Miss Linda Carter. She's there in the hospital recovering. I pray that you would be with her and her family. I pray that you would be with John as he goes in for surgery tomorrow, be with the doctors and the nurses and just guide them. I uh, also want to lift up the, the thousands that are some even headed out today uh, to Phoenix, Arizona for just the, uh, the amazing event um, that we have coming up, God, that I, I know that you are going to move in the lives of some students, Lord. We are expecting that and just excited to, to embrace that with fellow students and sponsors and just to spend time in your presence, God. I pray for, for my pastor, for my friend, God, for Steve and Lynette as they are out traveling. pray that you would keep them safe. Bring them back refreshed with great stories and memories, God. And uh, just the many, many needs across our congregation today, Lord. I pray that you would uh, be with each and every family, each and every home, because so many things are happening that, um, that we may not even realize is happening to the person sitting right down the row from us. So be with us as we go from this place, God. Allow us to come back next week. Um, it's an exciting to, to grow and learn more about you, God. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. And everybody said...
Amen. You are dismissed. Thank you for joining us today. Have a great week.